was originally going to publish this episode on July 20th. And it was an alright episode on good and bad engineering practices. And I waited a little bit because I, I thought I wanted to re-record a couple of chunks of it. But my mom got sick. And she got really sick. And she passed away at 2 p.m. on August 30th, 2021. My story really begins, well, not even with her, but with her father and I mean I guess I could go back in time quite a ways but the person I am right now is largely a result of my parents efforts to uh, do a pretty good job I think but I don't see anybody else telling her story and I think it's one that really needs to be told. All of these lessons that I'm sharing with you in all of these other podcasts have been or will be lessons that I have learned from her and my dad over the last 39 years or so. So today I'm going to share the first lesson that I really remember being a lesson and it has served me very, very well. This is Infinite Tradecraft. Let's get to work. Lesson number one. If you want someone to do something, make it way more expensive for them to do anything else. Sometimes, if the stakes are really low and you're dealing with an already friendly person, You can just make it worth somebody's while to do something. Like, hey man, if you pick me up from the airport, I'll top off your tank on the way home. Yeah, sure man, what time do you need it? 5 a.m., oh jeez. I'll get you breakfast too. All right, sure. What are friends for? But when the chips are down or the stakes are really high, you've got to make it really expensive for somebody to not do what you want them to do. 
Now, I'll leave that up to your Machiavellian tendencies or not. Or Sun Tzu. Use your own judgment, young Padawan. But on the other hand, something's worth doing. Mm, gotta do what you gotta do. The year is 1991. Stem cells are a thing we've known about for 20 or 30 years at this point. The immune system and bone marrow were things that we've kind of understood for 15 or 20 years. The drugs that are today being used by athletes to improve their performance are in 1991 brand new and being used for cancer patients to boost their oxygen carrying erythrocyte levels and their coagulation factors via platelets and their immune system with white blood cells. Erythropoietin and the whole host of other drugs are literally brand new. The science fiction future of taking human cells and making them do what we want to heal the body from the inside out has just become science fact. And it's kind of expensive. The therapy's approved, but the insurance companies aren't paying for it because it's like a hundred and some thousand dollars to treat someone who will still probably die within five years or so. Because the treatment for their cancer doesn't fix the fact that they're prone to that kind of cancer. So when you start looking at actuarial tables, blowing $100,000 on somebody who will probably not live long enough to put $100,000 back in your pocket as an insurer, the math just doesn't work. It is way more expensive to do what they want to do than to do what you want to do. Whoops. My mom is consulting with a oncology practice called James River Clinic. They're a relatively small practice, but they're growing. And they are a couple hundred thousand dollars in the red when she walks in the door. Sounds counterintuitive for a small but successful oncology clinic where the uninitiated oncology means cancer treatment or the study of cancer. 
They are in the red, however, because they are giving away so much care. They are giving away treatment more than they're billing for it. And when she starts looking at their books, she realizes that they are giving away treatment to people who probably could afford to pay if they just had applied for the right benefits. So uh, somewhere along the way, she had figured out how to apply for social security disability benefits and Medicare and Medicaid and all the little ins and outs. And she knew how to read case law because she was a paralegal and had worked for a firm doing asbestos litigation, uh, defense, if I recall correctly. And she worked for Wilcox and Savage and she did some legal research for um, a former Virginia Supreme Court justice. The Commonwealth, not the U.S. Supreme Court. So she had cut her legal teeth, even though she had a Ph.D. in clinical psychology. She actually ran, at one point, the uh, placebo washes and um, managed mostly the study for Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol. was the safety and efficacy study, so they gave state prison inmates essentially ridiculously high doses of Marinol to uh, see at what point it was therapeutic and at what point it became dangerous. Um, Yes, you can die from pot, but you have to concentrate it and take a ton of it, and if you're just eating it, at a reasonable pace, you'll probably pass out way before you hit anything close to the LD50. But still, you know, don't concentrate it and eat it. Jesus. So she had the biological and medical background, and she had the legal background to tackle this kind of unique problem of getting people a benefit to pay for their care so that they didn't die from this thing. Cancer. So as all of this consulting is unfolding, she winds up getting this practice back into the black within months. Like they're already just about breaking even with her initial recommendations simply because they had no clue how to apply for Medicaid for one of these patients. It's not their job. They're a clinician. And so their collections letters just fell on deaf ears. And she also had identified a few patients who could have paid if they wanted to. Um, They had private insurance or private disability insurance or something that uh, the practice wasn't really privy to. And with a modicum of investigation, it turned out they had assets that they could have easily either liquidated or just paid. Like They had an account with a bunch of money in it. 
well, honey, you're dying. I guess you need to pay up for your medical bills if you want to continue getting care. But there were a preponderance of people who really just couldn't afford it. And oddly enough, when you're terminal, you fall into the special categorization from Social Security. Called a Terry case or uh, terminal. Oh, wow. You know, if I had prepared show notes, I would have written that out. T-E-R-I, it's a Terry case, terminal illness or renal insufficiency. Uh, It covers basically cancer, renal failure, and HIV. So I don't think HIV anymore, except for in very specific circumstances where you're literally dying from it. Um, But usually in those cases, you fall under the cancer thing because it's Kaposi sarcoma or something like that. One of those knock-on things from not having an immune system. Hmm. Immune systems. So, this fancy new therapy called a bone marrow transplant where they either take some of your bone marrow or someone else's And then nuke your immune system, right? Completely kill your bone marrow and replace it with either your own autologous graft or someone else's who's a really close match. And miraculously, the immune cells that arise from this transplanted bone marrow kick the ever-loving crap out of your cancer and you survive. Who'd have thunk? It is ridiculously expensive, though. And so she wound up with a couple of patients who were prime candidates for this sort of therapy. Uh, I believe the first one had some form of leukemia, which is a bone marrow cancer. So if you nuke and replace your bone marrow, you don't have the cancer anymore. But the insurance company wouldn't pay for it. And I believe, based on a news clipping, that he was like 17, and she had a 10-year-old son, me, and she's like, this is ridiculous, why won't you pay for this kid, like, I can understand not paying for a 60-year-old, because no, you will never recoup that $100,000 or $200,000 that this procedure costs. There is no way that person is going to live for another 20 or 30 or 40 years and pay enough premiums in before they go on Social Security and stop paying premiums to you for you to recoup that cost. So, sure, maybe. But this kid's in high school. He's got his whole life ahead of him. Oh, no. Something has to be done. So, 
something had to be done. And she was going to be the one to do it. So it came down to a question of how to make the insurance company lose a bunch of money when it told someone that they couldn't have this procedure done. And it really boiled down to her paralegal experience. And I'm hoping the crackling in the background adds a nice ambiance because it's really cold and I have a fire going in my fireplace. Because while I started recording the intro bumper for this episode in September, it's January now. So, through some industry connections that she had with uh, pharmaceutical companies and uh, through a few techniques that she had learned, she knew that discovery was really expensive. Good Lord. I am not getting shot at. Well, not exactly. It's just the wood. I'm okay. For now. Until the ends come. So... She knew that she could cost the insurance company a lot of money. Or at least make the insurance company pay their lawyers do a bu- to do a bunch of stuff that would wind up being really expensive. She may or may not win the case. But the advantage that she had was she could do enough of the case as a paralegal to make it way more expensive for the insurance company than they would like. And so she ran through a short list of some of the filings. and At some point, she wound up meeting with one of the insurance company's legal teams, and they were authorized to spend a certain amount of money to make this problem go away, basically. And in the end, they wound up giving her a check. The law firm gave her a check for the amount of the procedure. But it was in no way, shape, or form traceable, or at least at first or second glance, traceable back to the insurance company. The law firm made my mom sign a non-disclosure agreement stating that she could not tell anyone how to do this or how she pulled it off to include the clinic or the patient or she wouldn't be able to do it again. She's like, wait, again? Oh, right, again. I can do this again. I mean... She probably already knew she was going to be doing it again the next time somebody came in 
with a bone marrow transplant. But there was no financial penalty. She just couldn't do it again. She's like, all right. Yeah, I'll sign that. Cool. So she signed on the dotted line and got the check and patient got the treatment, didn't die, and rock and roll. Win, win, win. Insurance company got to sleep better that night, I guess. Because they avoided a lawsuit that would have become very, very public. So, she managed to do this a few more times, and it became kind of formulaic. And by her telling, and my recollection of her telling, she wound up getting it so formulaic that it was basically as soon as she picked up the phone to make this arrangement, it was just like, oh, okay, yeah. Hey, Fred, it's me. Oh, God, you got another one. Yep. Mm -hmm. You want to do the thing? Yeah, just send the thing. Okay, cool. Sign on the dotted line. Get the check. Okay, happy birthday. Thanks, come again. So, she signed another non-disclosure agreement. Did everything, right? And at some point, I think this was like 92 or thereabouts, she held a symposium. See, she could keep doing this and chip away and chip away at what was becoming more and more people being able to do this, but they were just hearing about her through the grapevine. She didn't advertise. She couldn't tell anybody that she knew how to do this. She couldn't tell anybody, well, in so many words she could, but she couldn't tell anybody how to do it. So it was literally just her. And so the insurance company was perfectly fine paying one woman down in Hampton, Virginia, over and over and over again, but one woman, how much damage could one woman do? Oh, baby, you should never have asked. Let me show you what a woman can do. Oh, you poor soul. This next part is probably why I'm still single. Because, like, try measuring up to this one. But, you know. She knew that as an individual human being, she only had so many hours in the day, so much chutzpah to burn on this, right? She needed an army. She needed to kill it and she needed to kill it now and in order to do that she needed more than one set of hands so by my recollection she uh, put an ad in the or contacted the bar association I think she put an ad in their little circular thing and uh, I helped her hand out the little doodads and the pens and the little pamphlets and crap for the the symposium. But the gist of it was, before anybody could get their little folder, they had to sign an agreement that they would do three of these cases. You know, three stem cell transplant insurance cases. 
that year for free. And one dumbass stands up and said, wait a minute, free, we we can't even charge expenses. That would be what free means, dumbass. I don't think she used the term dumbass, but the guy was an asshole. Well, that's, that's ridiculous. Well, get out. Fine. Tossed the little sheet down and walked out. Anybody else? No. This is a room full of like, I want to say it was like 200 people. Well, 199 after that guy walked out. It was pretty well packed. It was a, a college auditorium sized, you know, amphitheater. Pretty sure it was in Richmond, but something tells me it might have been at Marshall Whiff. But the point was, she had a room full of mm, 200 willing, able, and kind of pissed off attorneys who were like, oh yeah, I'll stick it to an insurance company three times this year. What do you got? The next hand that went up was asking for a pen and a ran over and gave him one and handed him the folder. I'm pretty sure I have all the little signed agreements in, uh, in whatever file drawers. I'll have to pull them out. <sighs> My mom was nothing if not a good record keeper. Once all the papers were picked up, signed, returned. she said, well, it's really simple. There's the forms you need. There's the contact, points of contact. You got to understand, I'm counting on you to follow through with this because as much as I can penalize you for having not done three of these this year, people will die if you don't. Right? This is something that can change. This is a procedure that should be really common. And it's not. Because it's new and everybody's scared and doesn't want to take the chance on it not being common. Force their hand. Because I can't do this anymore. And so I'm pretty sure there weren't 600 of these cases done. Because when the attorneys were like, wait a minute, this is it? Yeah. This is like three phone calls. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. But I'm bound by a non-disclosure agreement because now I can't do this anymore. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So you really are counting on us. Yes. Well, shit. Can we do more than three? Of course. I mean, you know. I wouldn't try and build a practice on this, but you know you can charge for the next three. It's not the first three. Okay, sure. Something like six months later, might have been a year, but you know. Bone marrow transplants were approved. 
or paid for by insurance. Dun, dun, dun. So, she had forced the insurance company to give themselves a choice between a pit bull behind door number two or fine, we'll pay for this one, but don't tell anybody behind door number one. Then she handed them a steak and unleashed a whole bunch of pit bulls. Like, drop the steak and run, or you're going to get bit. And that's how you do it. That's a really dramatic version of how you do it, but it's how you do it. When you do not have a means of beating an opponent because they have ridiculous resources at their disposal, when they can literally pay you to go away even when you don't want to, that's what you have to do. You have to find a way to make it incredibly expensive them to do anything other than exactly what you want. And that is the first big life lesson that my mama taught me. Thanks for tuning in again, and thank you for sticking with me over this rather lengthy hiatus. I hope now you kind of understand why I was gone for a while. We will be back next week with another episode. Until then, this has been Infinite Tradecraft, and I'm Ryan Motley. Have a great one.